Hey Property Insiders, I'm Mike Stanhouse and this is the Inside Property Investing Podcast. Today's episode is a super short one, just giving you an insight into one of the lessons that I personally took from a recent interview and how that has given a massive boost to our income around about 12 months from now once our next projects are complete. It just goes to show that we're always learning and there are always opportunities for us to continue to expand our knowledge and our insight into how to be better property investors. Like I say, it's super short, but before we get into it, let's just take a minute to thank our sponsors. Since we started working with Harvey Bose for our own mortgages around three years ago, we've been blown away by the service that they offer and in that time, they've continued to get better and better. They are, in my opinion, the best mortgage advisor in the UK, particularly when it comes to providing expert advice on investment finance options and how to structure deals in the best way. With a growing team, each and every applicant is assigned a specific mortgage broker and a case handler to make sure your application is dealt with efficiently. And given their team of brokers are property investors themselves, you know you'll be dealing with someone who understands your needs. Whether you're looking for a simple buy-to-let mortgage or a specialist product for your latest HMO, Harvey Bose can help you due to their excellent relationships with many of the key lenders in the UK market. They can arrange bridging products, development finance, commercial mortgages, and even have an increasing number of specialist products for serviced accommodation and holiday-let operators. They're quick when you need it, providing same-day agreements in principle to support your offers and remortgages within six months to free up your capital for the next deal. And they have a growing expertise in helping expat and foreign nationals obtain investment finance as well. Whether you've got a finance-related query or you're ready to submit a mortgage application, I can highly recommend the team at Harvey Bose. Get in touch via harveybose.com or call them on 02921 754150. And remember to tell them you heard about them on the podcast. So today I want to talk through a scenario that we have been through recently where we have effectively given ourselves a massive boost to the HMO portfolio without any additional cash requirement, effectively getting two HMOs for the price of one. Now, this isn't rocket science and I'm not about to tell you that we've gone and stolen a house or anything like that, but it's such a simple thing that my stubbornness had made me overlook for so long. But during the JV discussion we had a few weeks back with Tom Thorns and Mo Hakir, I realized that there was no reason why I was acting how I was. Basically, prior to that call, our requirement for JV partners was pretty strict. They had to bring all of the cash to the table for the purchase, the renovations, and everything else. We did all of the work on planning, convincing, the renovations, the refinancing, and so on. So if they didn't have enough cash to fund the whole project, it was a non-starter. In my opinion, they brought all of the cash because we were doing all of the work. But during that discussion with Mo and Tom, I realized that they were doing JVs where the finance partner was putting in all of the cash, but the cash requirement was a lot lower because they would also use bridging or development finance as well. Now, on one of our typical projects, that could reduce the cash requirement from around about £400,000 on average down to less than half of that. It was a complete eye-opener for me as, like I said, I've always been adamant that if we're putting in all of the work, then the other partner should be putting in all of the cash. I was putting this self-imposed restriction on how fast we could scale by requiring twice as much cash for JV projects as we'd need if we were doing the project on our own and using bank finance because when we are doing our own projects, we're more than comfortable using bridging and development funds. 
I have always said to our guests on the podcast that the reason I love doing it is because I get so much value from every interview that makes me a better investor personally. And this is a prime example of that. Even if nobody else was listening, I'd keep doing it to get the wisdom and the insights from other successful investors. In this case, guys like Tom Thorns and Mohakir. Now, this particular conversation came at the perfect time for me as well. We had just agreed to purchase our next site, which we plan to convert into a six-bedroom HMO, but we didn't yet have an investor for it or the funds lined up. Personally, we like to keep our investor pool pretty small, in fact, as small as possible, really, for a number of reasons. One, it keeps our company structure simpler with fewer companies to worry about as we create a new limited company for each JV partnership that we get into. And it keeps relationships easier with fewer people to deal with, fewer personality clashes, fewer learning curves on how different people like to operate. And we typically only do JVs with investors who have worked with us previously on a personal loan basis. So we kind of already know before we get into bed with someone on a JV basis, a long-term investment type setup, how we both like to work that we get on and all that sort of stuff. In this instance, though, one of our usual JV partners had just completed on another purchase with us, which would tie up his funds for too long. And the other strong contender is awaiting his funds to be released through a refinance of our most recently completed project. Now, we've got four, maybe five JV partners that we have worked with in the past and are happy to work with in the future. But in this case, they were all in some way engaged and there were no funds available to do this deal. We didn't really want to go out and start finding new JV partners. It would mean new JV agreements to be negotiated, new companies to set up and all that sort of stuff. And obviously we didn't want to pull out of the deal because that's never really an option for us once we've got an offer agreed. It would cause too much damage to relationships with agents and it's walking away from too much potential profit as well. So the third option was to revisit my stubbornness on how we structure JVs and to solve the problem without any additional effort or any additional funds being required. So I took the feedback from Tom and Mo and I started to look at the numbers. The project that we had just purchased was bought for £160,000 and needed about one hundred and ninety dollars for the works and all the other associated costs. So about three hundred and fifty dollars in total for that project. The new project we had the offer accepted on was being sold for £215,000 and we needed about £170k for all the works, so another £380,000 in total. You combine the two of them and with my usual approach of requiring all cash, this would need £730,000 to complete the two projects and get them refinanced. So I sent our investor on the first project an email with kind of provocative subjects saying how would you like to do another HMO without it costing you any more money. Obviously that intrigued him and we got together and went through the numbers and with a 70% bridge on each property based on the purchase price, it would reduce the total cash needed from £730,000 down to £460,000, which is a pretty significant reduction and only £100,000 more than the funding that the first project required on its own if we did that on an all-cash basis. Now, we can reduce that £100,000 difference further by getting additional development finance on one or both of these once planning is approved, but depending on the timescales, we might not actually need to as one may be refinanced before the other one is actually complete, so the same cash can be used to fund both projects. The one project on its own would have made us over £25,000 profit per year, so still a great deal. 
but the two of them combined will double that to over £50,000 profit per year. Now our JVs are typically on a 50-50 split, so both of us will take away £25,000 profit per year for the foreseeable future, which is an amazing boost to anyone's income. Obviously, there are some additional costs for valuation fees, bridging applications, setup fees and exit fees, along with the actual interest on the bridging loans as well. But all in, this will only add about 3% to the total project costs, which is, in my opinion, 100% worthwhile when we look at the long-term income that we will gain as a result. Our JV partner has gone from having one deal with one opportunity for capital appreciation and one income of about 12 and a half grand to two deals with two opportunities for capital appreciation and two incomes giving him in excess of 25 grand per year. Now, I said at the start that this isn't rocket science, but a simple change in my attitude to joint ventures has resulted in a massive benefit to both of us. The point of this episode isn't really to pretend that bridging finance is some sort of magic wand that you might not have heard of, but to remind us that sometimes the roadblocks that we face are purely self-imposed, and to overcome them and push our businesses forward, all we really need to do is to revisit our own rules of engagement to see how we're restricting our own growth. Hopefully that's useful and it goes to prove that you can continue to get value from every engagement, so keep your ears open see how other people are operating, and please do not do what I've done. Do not be your own worst enemy. Now, I know for some of you that this episode might seem like child's play, but others of you will be sitting there thinking, I'd love to be doing deals like this someday, but for now, I just need to figure out how to get started. Well, that's exactly what we want to help you with getting off the starting blocks and we are delighted to announce our eight-week HMO challenge. Starting on April 16th, Victoria and I are going to take a small group of aspiring HMO investors through the early stages of the investing process to get you prepared to start making offers on your first deal. We're not going to claim that we can get you an income from HMOs in eight weeks or even teach you everything that there is to know about HMO investing in that period of time but we will take you through four critical stages over the eight-week period to get you into a position to start making offers with confidence. Starting with your own goal setting and financial planning, we will also look at finding the best area for you to invest in, the different mortgage and finance options available to you as a new HMO investor, and finally, the sourcing and deal appraisal process. During the eight-week challenge, we'll guide you through each of these steps with live calls and a private discussion group. But to fully round out your education, we're also going to throw in access to our Inside HMO Investing online course and a year's access to the new IPI community so that you continue to get ongoing support throughout the life cycle of a whole project and give you the confidence that you need to really make a great start in HMO Investing. Now, this is perfect for anyone who has got an interest in HMO investing, but is struggling to get that first deal across the line. But I do want to be clear that we're not going to be talking about rent to rent or lease options or anything like that. So you do need your own capital to get started with this process and this challenge. We're talking about getting the fundamentals in place to start building a long-term income from property. If that sounds like you, then all of the details are available in the link in the description for this episode, or simply go to insidepropertyinvesting.com forward slash eight weeks. That's the number eight weeks to find out more. (laughs) 